y'all. I'm Chelsea. I'm Sarah. And I'm Deidre. And this is Scream and Sugar. I'm extra excited today because it's my turn yes. to present a case to y'all bitches. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I did say dick on the one. You have to say, you did say okay. had a dick in your mouth, so. So, y'all got coffee? What y'all drinking? I got a Hardy's iced coffee, a cold brew with vanilla and I extra like vanilla. sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I got the usual iced coffee, iced coffee. with French vanilla, mm-hmm. but today I got extra espresso. Ooh, you got the one like I did last time. Mm-hmm. Because you got extra vanilla last time, and I got extra espresso. Mm-hmm. Espresso. I say espresso every time. <laughs> Have you ever said that? I say shit wrong all the time, so not me. Oh, <laughs> no, you don't. I'm just playing. He's a grammar police. Police. I'm not a grammar police. Okay. What kind of coffee you got? I have, I mix it up a little bit. I got caramel. An iced caramel coffee with extra caramel. Yeah, how extra pumps to be exact. <laughs> I was about to say how much extra. And you know you it don't taste like a five extra pumps. It tastes like they put like a half a one in there. A half a one. Good. What you talking about today? Okay, so I'm talking about a girl by the name of Brooke Wilberger, and it's really really sad. I titled my case <laughs> "The Girl Who Vanished." Dun dun dun. But yeah, it's a really sad story. Okay. Don't make me nervous because y'all looking at me and stuff. Oh my God. All right. It happened. They said it was a beautiful sunny morning. It was sunny. It was just like a day. You just wake up. You just breathe in the fresh air. And you're like, it's going to be a good day. Like that's basically how everybody described that day. So it was on May the 24th, 2004. Okay. A young college co-ed, 19-year-old Brooke Wilberger. So on this day, she got national attention because she just suddenly vanished out of nowhere. So It's one of those. Yes. It's one of those that get real big and, yeah. A little bit about Brooke before we get into the whole case. Don't let me mm-hmm. nervous when y'all look at me. I feel like a child. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, a little bit about Brooke Wilberger. She was born in Fresno, California on February 20th, 1985. So, she would have turned 36 this past Saturday. Wow. Like a week from today, a week ago, she would have been 36. It's always sad whenever you think about that. Yeah, especially like, mm mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's sad. Um, She was born to Greg and Cammie Wilberger. She had three sisters and two brothers. So, yeah, she was one of six. Um, she was described as a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she was. they said that she was highly active in the church. And she also taught a Sunday school mm. class. So this makes it harder. I don't know. She's a good church girl. Yeah. Now she's just gone. It's like, it makes it tougher, I guess. So <clears throat> her sister Stephanie, which is her oldest sister, mm-hmm said they weren't allowed to date they weren't allowed to date until they turned 16. 
And she said the second she turned 16, I mean, she had, she, a, she had a boyfriend already. <laughs> so, you know, they were talking. They had to have been talking. It's like two more weeks. Can't put a label on it yet. Yeah. 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 Like two more weeks. Like, look, that's again, sweet. We got to wait till I turn 16 and we can label it because my dad and my mom. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the more her sister, uh, I was watching an interview is where I got most of this information, like stuff where I say her sister says this and her mom and dad says this. I got it from a video. And, you know, so I seen the, exp the expressions on their faces and stuff. Mm -hmm. And her sister laughed because she was like, you know, the second she turned 16, like she, you know, mm -hmm. she had a boyfriend. But, uh, and his name was Justin Blake. Okay. Uh, her sister went on to talk about how much fun the couple was. And she said that Brooke was so deeply in love with him, which makes it really hard. And she was really happy with her relationship. And they said that Justin was a senior in high school when they started dating. And so she was 16, so she would be, what, a year behind? Because I tried finding that time. Uh, like a freshman or sophomore. Yeah, something like that. And when she started school. And he, um, I said the church that the member of the church she was at, but she's a Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know because I didn't. Yeah. Jesus Christ led her. Okay. So those are Mormon people. Yeah. Because okay. I was like, I don't know if I was saints. supposed to mention she was a Mormon or if you automatically got it in the church title. That's, um, that's um, <laughs> Not everybody knows it. Well, he was, Justin Blake was also a Mormon and he was actually off on missionary. Mm hmm work in venezuela when she disappeared okay so he was automatically ruled out as a suspect you know because that's who they look at the boyfriend or whatever husband mm -hmm. you know first always name. the first one mm -hmm. yeah um the police honest i just said that they ruled him out as a suspect <laughs> <laughs> so the first time uh he went he went into a telling about how they their first date went. This mm -hmm. is Justin, the boyfriend. Um, he said the first time that he took her out, about an hour into the date, he said, I'm just smiling because I'm like seeing his reaction. It's so cute because it was a video as well. Mm -hmm. She wanted to hold his hand. I was like, oh, oh so my gosh. Yeah. So, and he said, he kind of giggled and he was like, she was the brave one. Like she, she was the one that would like jump the gun and like do stuff. Uh, he said after that first date, they went from being best friends into a little bit more, and it was just perfect. And I was like, oh. You're wow. already breaking our hearts. We I haven't know. even got to anything yet. <laughs> that was yeah. his exact words, too. So, oh, just wait, because it gets, it, gets, <laughs> it gets worse. As, it gets better, cute, and worse all in one as we go on and discuss what he was discussing. So Justin said that he was going to propose oh, no to her and they were going to get married. He said they both they if I could stutter again that would be great. <laughs> he said they both sort of knew what was going to happen when he returned home from his mission. Unfortunately, those dreams turned into a nightmare. How long was he going to be gone for? I tried finding it and I couldn't find it cuz he didn't he didn't mention it in the uh the video that I got it from I was like, "Ooh, that's probably a good point." Like, yeah, I didn't know if he was like almost home or if he was gonna be gone for like a year because yeah. they'll go for. I don't know if I'm thinking of something else, 
But now that you asked that, and I was like, I don't know. I tried looking and I couldn't find it. I think I've seen something about maybe a six month. Maybe he mentioned it or something later on in the video. I just can't remember. I've watched so much stuff and I've read so much stuff over it. If it's, I feel like I'm going to end up reading it in here and you're going to be like, wow, what a dumbass. Because <laughs> that's what I'm going to say in my head if, if it comes. Um, so he got the call when he was on his mission, obviously, because he, you know, he was gone on it. Um, his parents called him and he said that his dad told him what they knew at the time. Obviously, it was just she was missing. They didn't know anything. Yeah, right. Um, and he said that he started crying on the phone and. Oh, God. His dad heard him cry, start crying, and then his dad started choking up. I was like, no. So, yeah. I mean, his heart was broken. I know. It was really sad. But I tried so hard to scramble this in order. So, if something sounds out of order, just. You're I good. Go with You're it. Good. We're <laughs> so all now, Around the time she went missing, she had just finished her first year of college, so she was on summer vacation. Uh, she went to Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. Uh, when she got, I need to quit saying, uh. When Brooke got to college, she had no trouble making friends. People she met or made friends with always said that she was, uh, she had a wonderful, great spirit. Uh, one of the girls said, I'll say that again. One of the girls said that to her definition of beautiful would be Brooke. I was like, oh my gosh, oh. I wish somebody said that about me, but you know, uh, inside and outside. So, this on the clearly isn't one of those like all these people say nice things, and there's that one person that's like, well, there was this one thing, the blah blah yeah. blah. Like, no, everybody, you know, you can watch videos thing. of people talking about people, and you can just tell they're just. They're just bullshitting for attention. Like the girl that's or just this, doing it because they don't want to speak yeah, ill of somebody who's yeah. not. Well, the girl that said way. it really genuinely, I, I could see she was being real about it. You get to know her more and more as people start saying stuff about her. Anyway, okay, so as I mentioned, she was on her summer vacation and so she headed home. Her sister Stephanie and her brother in law, which is Stephanie's husband, obviously. They own this apartment complex that they manage and stuff like that. I mean, like, they own it, whatever. Yeah. Um, they lived there at the time. Um, and that's where Brooke was gone, you know, from her sisters to her mom's, you know, back and forth, whatever. Uh, but she was staying with her sister Stephanie and brother-in-law at the time. And she would help them with uh, maintenance chores and stuff around the apartments and stuff. Like cleaning stuff, whatever. Yeah, just stuff yeah. like that. Um, and it was in Oregon. And it was the... I guess I have to look at my computer. I'm sitting here trying to figure out what it is. <laughs> the, Cor the Corvallis uh, apartment complex is what it's called. And it's in Corvallis, Oregon. Corvallis is the town, whatever. Okay. And she would help him with the maintenance chores. Her sister said... Her sister said at the time of her disappearance... She was cleaning the lampposts. So, you know, when you go to an apartment complex, there's lampposts normally, not all of them, but there's lampposts, you know, just kind of spread out. Yeah, around. ever so often. That's yeah. what gives light to the parking lots and stuff like that. So that's what she was doing. You know, she left out with her bucket and stuff, and she was this cleaning lampposts. This case sounds really familiar, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, she said 
they were supposed to have lunch, you know, after she got done with all that. Um, she said that she didn't show up for lunch and her sister began to worry about her. So she went back to the apartment complex and her car keys and her purse was still in the apartment and her car was still in the lot, but Brooke was nowhere to be found. This was the day after she got home from college. So I know the day she went missing was a Monday. So Sunday is when she came home done her church thing, taught her Sunday school class, and the next day set out to do the lampposts, and she went missing. Her dad, Greg, was about to leave town on business when he got word of her disappearance. He was, like, literally in the airport, literally getting, like, on the plane. Oh. He, could you imagine, like, mm -mm. just missing that one second, and you're already up in yeah. the air, and you can't, yeah. But, yeah, he... It was literally like getting like boarding his plane. Yeah, he could have turned his phone off mm -hmm. or anything yes. right before. And so he left the uh, the airport immediately and returned home to the family. You know, they were helping. I don't want to say they were helping their family. They were trying to. They were doing everything they could to search for her. Shit. Mm -hmm. The it went on to say that the family searched every place they could uh, could think of that she could be. You know. Anywhere that they knew she they liked to go she would be, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. They didn't find anything. They didn't find any clues or anything like that. Uh, so they called the police. And this was maybe between an hour and two hours of them. So they looking. were pretty much on it. Yeah. Yeah. So they called the police. And Lieutenant Noble is the dude on the That's case. a good name for a lieutenant. I know, right? <laughs> Um, Lieutenant Noble went on to say he received the call from the family. Uh, he said, now normally the police wait to the next day to see if they turn up after a report of an adult missing mm -hmm. because, you know, we know adults can come and go as they please. Right. But he said in this case, him and um, some other officers sent that, that she was not the type to just leave on her own. Yeah. I just kind of had this feeling like something's not right. And some of them, I'm sure, probably knew of her. Probably, yeah. 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 And her kids. Or, her, or knew her dad or mm -hmm. mom or something. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, the town of Corvallis, Corvallis, I don't know how to say it, but, oh, I don't know if I put it in here. I may have the town, how big the town is, but it's like just a little small t hometown. Like, everybody knows everybody, basically. Yeah. So they yeah. probably know her. And her keys and her purse are still there and her car. Yeah. So. Where Obviously, she, she didn't go? drive nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Did they find the bucket? Oh, getting there. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the first police officers that was on the scene found just little traces of her. They said, the officers said that they found, all they found was a pail of just soapy water with cleaning materials underneath the lamppost. That hadn't been cleaned yet. So it's like Ooh. she moved, like got done with the lamppost, went she to the lamppost, just got there. And they also found a pair of flip flops out the parking lot. Oh, that God. To oh, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The neighborhood, basically the whole town came together. I mean, yeah. Just flaw. It was like a flop. Small towns are like yes. that. And her parents mentioned how wonderful the city was whenever. Um, the news got out. They said that the city had already gathered hundreds of people by the night helping search for her. 
Uh, Lieutenant Noble said he remembered going home at around like one in the morning and there were still about 300 people Dang. doing systematic searches of, I don't know if I can say this word, of concentric circles from where Brooke was last seen. Okay. Get it, bitch. Look at me. You can read. <laughs> I can do it. You can read. I can do it. <laughs> I'm only human. <clears throat> so, Stephanie, Brooke's sister, said that it was very traumatic because, you know, when you're when you're out searching for something and, you, you know, you expect to find something. I mean, that's the and thing. And they like, found <laughs> nothing. So, she said that was that was the most traumatic like, of, of the whole her hope, like her sister going missing, like eventually finding her. Searching was the most that, traumatic. That was the most traumatic because, you know, like she said, you, when you go out looking for something, you can't find nothing. Like, yeah, she said it was. I mean, yeah, either way, if you go out and you don't find nothing, that gives you no clues. Mm -hmm. So that's awful. But then again, if you were to find something, yeah, that'd be I awful. I because, I mean, either way, I mean, it's a, it's like a, you lose a either catch way. 22. Yeah. Yeah. Those flip flops in the parking lot. I would have just shit myself. Like I just could, I don't know who found them, but I hope it was the cops and not. I mean, they're gonna know, but I mean, imagine being a parent and you just walk up and your kids' flip flops are mm -hmm. just sitting there, um, yeah, and they're nowhere to be found. Cause see, I it didn't say nothing about the family. The family never mentioned about finding that. They just said, you know, they couldn't they couldn't find her. In places that they thought she may be, she wasn't there, so they just called the police. So I don't know. They must have not traced her steps. I hope not, because I don't. I wouldn't want them to find that either. Mm -hmm. So the first night ended with no sign of her. Um, a week goes by, and they still have no clues or the the whereabouts Brooke could be. Her family and friends had the hope that she would come home alive. There were leads that came in that led to a dead end or that were just people wanting attention. Cause you know, I there's a bunch of people that, that people that'll do that, like, oh, this buddy of mine, he's in jail and he said this, he said that, like he killed her, da, 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 and they'll look into it and it was just Yeah. It will try to get tied off yeah. their sentence and stupid it's just shit. Wasting mm -hmm. the police's time when they could have spent it actually following leads that are gonna help. Yeah. They had about 50 people of interest already that they oh. were looking into. But they all turned out to be just a fleeting person of interest. That was it. Like, it just loved nothing. Yeah. Uh, a man by the name of Sun Koo Kim. Sun <laughs> Koo Kim. I think I said that right, I hope. But was arrested in Corvallis just a week after Brooks' disappearance. He was facing charges for breaking into girls' college dorms and also stealing their underwear. Oh, that's a little creepy. And you know, when you hear that, you're like, "This, it's got to be him." Like it may, you know, it makes sense. It's Why more, it like that? Him. You're like, "How would there be two people that are that down and dirty in one little small mm -hmm. town?" Yeah. Lieutenant Noble talked about how uh, some police officers thought it was him, but some of them just didn't. Like they just got this feeling, like I just don't think it's him. Like you know, it fits perfect. But they were like, like "I don't too, know, too just something." Yeah. Oh, and it turned out he was not the person that had taken Brooke from the apartment complex. So there's that. <laughs> uh, weeks turn into months and still no sign of Brooke. So at this point, there's, I mean, nothing. The only thing they have still is the bucket of water and her flip-flops. Nothing. It's like So she, all they've got is everything they got on day yeah, one. It's like she basically vanished. That's why 
That's what I thought. Oh, the girl I just vanished. Got, like, vanished. Chills, yeah. just thinking like she just vanished and mm-hmm. just left her flip flops. Just. Ugh. So, after weeks turned into months, at this point in the case, law enforcement is starting to believe that whoever snatched Brooke that day may have done this before. Um, her mom said as the months went by, they tried not to think so much on the anger and trying to deal with it. Their whole objective was to find Brooke. Could you yeah. imagine being a mom and mm-hmm. setting your mindset, just turning a switch? You got to have a, whew. You gotta be a strong you know what, you know, you know, you know why she, she could do what she did? Why? Because she had Jesus Christ. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Look, we we be acting up on this thing and, and cussing and stuff, but I love my Lord. <laughs> love my Lord. <laughs> See. Um, leads still went nowhere along with the months that went by. And the family was left with sadness and their worst fears lingering in their minds, you know. Now it's almost been a year into her disappearance. And her oldest sister, which we know as Stephanie. Said, I feel like I say her sister Stephanie. Her sister Stephanie. <laughs> uh, oh, whew, Lord have mercy. Hang on, I need to breathe for a second because this this is really sad. So, I'm bracing myself. Sister Stephanie said that her oldest daughter, who was five at the time, they were making cookies or something oh, in the gosh. kitchen, and she randomly said, "You know what, Mom?" I think that someone killed Aunt Brooke. Whoa. Yes. Her five-year-old said that. And I'm like, oh, God. I just felt like I got punched in the gut. Could you imagine your child saying that That made my stomach feel funny. Mm -hmm. I was tearing up whenever I was watching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, about your sister. (sighs) She said that she started to think that herself at some point. Uh, I mean, even if you try hard not to let your mind go there, it's going to go there. Well, she said, you know. Because at some point, reality starts to set in. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said it's hard, you know, to stay positive when someone you love's been missing for almost a year. And yeah. you still have yet to find anything. Anything at all, yeah. Like, new I evidence, just... nothing. Ugh. So, on the year of her anniversary, Lieutenant Noble and the family held a press conference. Uh, the family called the press conference because her mom said that it was just hard getting back to people individually that were, you know, wanting to know updates of the case and, yeah. you know, wanting to send out their love and and stuff. And uh, she said it was just overwhelming and it was just easier to do a press conference, conference to get back to everybody, you know, just that one time, like you say it, you ain't got to repeat yourself like a million other times right. on a subject of your child that's, you can't find it's been a year. Yeah, and you don't want to have to keep repeating, you know, they have nothing. They have nothing. They yeah. have nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She basically, uh, her mom, well, Cammy, is that her name? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's her name. Greg and Cammy, <laughs> Brooke's mom and dad, basically said in, just in the conference, you know, that uh, they wanted to show how thankful they were for the community and the surrounding areas for all the love and support they've given during this hard time. To those who have been out searching for hours and keeping Brooke in the spotlight to find her, they just wanted to thank them on that. So during this 
press conference that the family had called, Lieutenant Noble was keeping a secret. Oh. <gasps> yes, he was keeping a secret. Da, da, da. <laughs> they were still working on a person that at the time looked like he could be involved. So we'll talk about where the lead came from. Did the family where know about the this lead? lead? No. Okay. They didn't know about this guy, this lead, nothing. They didn't know anything about this. Mm, this he's was a sick. secret he was keeping. Uh-huh. Mm. Come on, no. He had some tea, y'all. <laughs> Real quick, was this a press conference where people, a bunch of people were there and mm-hmm. they were talking in front of them? Yeah, okay. they had the cameras and people were taking pictures. I didn't know if it was yet. like a news thing where they just yeah. put it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the lead came from New Mexico from a police officer doing a background check on a man named Joel Patrick Courtney charged with raping a co-ed there and he noticed that the suspect the suspect had an active drunken DUI warrant in Oregon. He wanted to see if they had any unsolved rape cases in the area in Oregon. Right. The the police officer from, from New Mexico. Right. He was led to the Corvallis PD and obviously Noble done some digging on the dude that uh, and when he did, he found that Courtney had a criminal history in both Oregon and New Mexico that includes sexual abuse charges. Ain't looking good for Courtney. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Noble went as far as like contacting this guy's family, getting information on him and stuff. Well, his sister, <laughs> I mean, she just took her cup of tea and she just peeled it all out. <laughs> I mean, spilt it, which I'm glad she did because, yeah, I thought you were going to say they like warned him or something. They're like, the cops are asking about you because sometimes they do that. And you won't know why because I, you, mm, mm -mm. let me just, okay. (laughs) So according to the information that Courtney's sister gave to the investigators, Courtney started using drugs at age 11. He was sent to juvenile detention at 15. And about that time, 15 years old, at about that time, he began interested in Satanism. Oh, Lordy. One night when his sister was 14. No. She said she woke up to Um, find Courtney on top of her. He was partly undressed and had his hands around her throat. She hit him on the head with a clock to get him to stop. Are you going to get into help him or did anything get done to help him at that point no just wait it gets worse (sighs) a cousin of courtney's told investigators of four separate times during her youth that he had tried to sexually assault her the incidents happened when she was 12 to 17 years old and courtney was between 14 and 19 years old Uh uh-uh where are her parents did they not tell them where's his parents that's what I mean. Her and his parents. Well, like, I'm just. I'm like, where's was, those mom? Like, at? how did nothing happen? Maybe she like, didn't say she anything. Was, she but. didn't. She was. She was terrified. Uh, once in 1983, uh, she woke to find Courtney naked, straddling her, and he left when someone. Whenever he heard someone walk down the hallway, he just left. Nasty. Because he like he got spooked. <laughs> yeah. Well, a year or two later, she was at her grandparents in Burbank, California. 
When she woke up to find Courtney touching her breasts. Several years after that, she was asleep at the home of Courtney's sister, the one that spilled the tea in the beginning. Wait, who is this that all this stuff? This is the cousin. This so the sister the the sister shared her incident, but the cousin had four separate Okay. So the sister he straddled he was like choking her, she hit him with the clock. Yes. Then now all this other shit is the, the sister. The cousin, I mean the cousin. The cousin. Well, good the Lord. Sis, Courtney and his sister's cousin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is she has four separate occasions on what he yes. <sighs> okay. He done with the sister. She done mm-hmm. that's why I was like both their mama, because <laughs> yes. I thought they had the same mama, but this is the same cousin. Know. I was wondering about that, but I'm like, eh, we'll try yeah, we'll right try to body. God. Hi, cousins. Uh, so a year or two later, she was at her grandparents' home in Burbank, California, when she woke up to find him touching her breast. Uh, several years after that, she was asleep at the home of Courtney's sister. Uh, he started to unbutton her blouse, and she was too afraid of Courtney to tell anyone what he did. So she was like afraid of him. That's why nothing got done about it. No one knew about it. I mean, right. I. And if they had just talked, they would have been like, that like, he tried to do that to me too. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I thought I put in here whenever he was born, which now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure I took it out because I was like, you know what? Fuck this motherfucker. He don't deserve. No one yeah. Who, who cares like, who when, he was born. when he was born? Yeah. But he was, he went to prison in 1985 when he was 19. So that kind of can paint you a picture of when he was born. Yeah. yeah. But who gives a fuck? So <laughs> he did nine years of hard time in Oregon. Department of Corrections for attempted rape and first degree sex abuse in Washington County. I'm like, he fucking, he's just fucking zooming the, the United States. On the night of that assault, it was a female friend. She was driving him home from a party when Courtney, who had been drinking and using drugs, started groping her. He punched her in the face. Oh my God. And when she, as she's driving, like she's literally driving, he's groping her and he punches her in the face. So when she stopped the vehicle, he tried to force her out of her clothes. That the girl, the friend, was able to convince him that she wanted to go back to the party and she ended up driving him home. I'm like, she was lucky because Yeah. I was like, hmm. But yeah, Mm-mm. convinced him I wanna go back to the party. She must be very persuasive. Mm-hmm. He don't sound like he quit for nothing. I know. Yeah. Like he's gonna punch me in the face while I'm driving us. And then I just don't get it. But it happened. <laughs> but it happened. I mean, if you want something to happen, how are you gonna punch me and think that that's gonna make anything any better? Like you ass. So <laughs> I ain't taking my clothes off now. Like you could have had his cookie, but you ain't getting it now. You're trying to punch me in my face. So this is where it kind of gets a little scrambly. To me, anyways. So, like I said before, I hope, I hope I got it in order. Mm-hmm. So, just kind of bear with me if you have questions. Just ask, and I'll, I'll be looking like. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So, in January of two thousand and four, four months before Brooke went missing. Okay. He was arrested on that DUI charge. Right. He was supposed to. Be, uh, he was supposed to appear in court four months later. Huh. On May 24th, uh-huh. 2004, the same day, she disappeared. Okay. So but the day she disappeared was the day he was supposed was to be. was the day, court. his court date. And his and ass wasn't there. Huh. He never showed up. 
he called the Lincoln County Court to say he was in Corvallis on his way to Newport that day, but he never made his appointment. Wow. Just just tell him where you are. Nobody's going to think about this missing girl. Because he saw something on the way. Oh, mm -mm. oh that girl. Oh, yeah. yeah. He could have called before or like before he kidnapped her or whatever. Ugh. Okay. So fast forward to November. Okay. Uh, November 30th, 2004, a foreign exchange student at the University of Mexico. Okay. So okay. this is the this is why the police officer in Mexico, New, New Mexico, New Mexico, University of New Mexico. Yes. Okay. Contacted Oregon and then got sent to you know. Right. So that's how this whole thing started. So uh, the girl, the foreign exchange student told the police that Courtney pulled a knife on her and demanded she get into a car. She said she was then tied up and with a shoestring and sexually assaulted. She said, thank God, she was able to break free and run for help. Her ability to identify Courtney and get him locked up may have been just the alarm Corvallis police needed to look into his direction. Because, I mean, they didn't have anything. Yeah, I mean, they, they never would have. They didn't have anything. No, like if they, if they, if she wouldn't have gotten away, there's no telling if he ever would have gotten caught. If they would have ever, yeah, figured out what happened to her, yeah, her and family, that cop like put two and two together, and, and yeah. Then on September twelfth of two thousand and seven, this is three day three days, <laughs> three years later. Three years later, mm -hmm. he pleaded guilty to the attack on the foreign girl. The foreign exchange student. Mm -hmm. uh, his plea agreement called for a prison sentence of up to 18 years plus five to 20 years on parole. Yeah. Yeah. But, so they ended up getting his vehicle and it was a van and it had, of course, Brooke's DNA was inside. <gasps> I was about to say, I'm like, please say, her DNA, not it didn't leave him. Her DNA was inside. So they knew that they got, they got him, that, that he did it. Thank God. And along with, uh, her hair. Her hair was in, all in the vehicle. Oh, God. So, on August of 2005, a year, two months, something, days, yeah, after yeah. she, she was missing, he was charged on 19 counts of aggravated murder, kidnapping, sexual abuse, rape, and sodomy. He was scheduled for his first appearance on April 9th, 2008, facing 14 counts including aggravated murder, two counts of kidnapping, and single counts of rape, sodomy, and sexual abuse in connection with Wilberger's disappearance. The charges were filed despite the absence of the body. They still don't know where she's at. Oh, but they had the DNA. Her hair was in his vehicle. Yeah. I was wondering had, about that. Yeah. 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 So she still ain't found. I was expecting you to say that, you know, they didn't charge him with murder because it's really hard to yes, convict somebody with Yes, because you know there's a lot of body. cases that are like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yes, no, despite nobody, he's going down. So Good. real quick, so they caught him on all of this before he pled guilty to attacking the foreign girl? Because it was, two. you said 2007 is when, yeah, uh, I think it was 2005 is when they got him on this. August of 2000, let's see. Yeah, 2000, yeah, it just jumped to 2007 is whenever he, because he didn't plead guilty or anything. Like he was acting like he didn't do shit. Right. Basically, but it was just saying like to kind of get the whole uh, foreign exchange student charged out of the way of of this since it's not about her. Uh, I just jumped to where he finally 
pleaded guilty to it, but it was it okay. wasn't but so until it was, 2007. So it was only a year after he did all this to her that he got convicted. Right. Okay. It was so, a year later whenever he was charged in Brooks' disappearance. Okay. That's okay. what I was asking. Okay. That's what yeah. she was asking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the prosecutors of the case, this after they said the charges were filed despite the absence of the body, the prosecutor in the case announced that he would seek the death penalty. Mm -hmm. So during all of this, the FBI had briefly considered him as a suspect in two to three disappearances, oh, shit. but have since eliminated him. You would so think he that he do has it. done it before because, I mean, broad daylight like yes, that? Yes, broad, broad daylight. No that's what messes with anything. me. You said absence eliminated him? The FBI eliminated him because the, they thought... Has since eliminated yes, him. Yes, has since okay. eliminated I was like, what eliminated him? I just yeah. missed his it. Absence, they, I was like, his absence? They eliminated him in those. Oh, and Courtney never confessed... Or denied the kidnapping I, of Brooke, and her body has yet to be found until oh okay five years later after mm. a plea deal. Oh, what they give him that he wouldn't get the death penalty. He okay. told them that he would tell them where the body is as long as he didn't get the death penalty. The family agreed because they just wanted peace. They yeah, wanted they to find the bury child. Their child. Mm -hmm. That you he know, stole from them. So he finally admitted to the crime, and he tells the authorities where and what he did to her. Oh, God. I don't know about y'all, but I don't... Which, I mean, I know there's some people that agree with the death penalty and some people don't. I don't agree with the death penalty because I don't feel like human race should control whether someone dies or not. Yeah, I don't... That, that's something that needs to be led up to God himself. That's just me. I don't agree with it either for the same reason. And I feel like it's our place more. to choose who lives and who dies. I don't agree with it because so many people end up innocent on death row. Yeah, and then they do. get killed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. Um, he confessed after being a piece of shit for five years. But let's see. Where did I leave off? Okay, finally admits to the crime. The authorities were what he did to her. Okay, so. <clears throat> He said that he abducted her from the Oak Corvallis Park Apartments parking lot on the morning of May 24, 2004. Threatened her with a knife. He then drove her into the woods outside of town. He returned to town to buy food while he still had her bound in his van. Oh my gosh. See, that right there, stuff like that, I will never understand. Like, how do you have that mind frame yeah, like, oh, to I'm have somebody tied up in your van, knowing good and well what you're about to do to that person, and be like, "I want to eat first. Oh, I'll work up like, how do you eat? eat? Yeah, because people are sick. Like, ugh. So, went to town to get food while she's still in the back. According to Courtney, he kept her alive throughout the night before raping her the next morning. He then plunged her to death when she tried to fight off the rape. So she was a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. There was one article someone had said where he had commented he was shocked at how much of a fighter she was. Ass. Yeah. And on September 21st, 2009, Courtney pleaded guilty to aggravated murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. 
And to close the case, there was an interview at the end of this video, um, her mom and dad and Justin. Um, Brooke's mom said that the frustrating part of it all is wanting it all to be resolved, to have Brooke's remains and be able to move on without it having to open up all over again all the time. She said they keep hoping that they'll have that ending in peace because at this time in the video, I didn't know where she was at. They okay. were still, you know. Um, so this was before they found her, but they knew he did it. Right. Justin Blake, the boyfriend. Oh, Lord. Here it comes. This is going to be mm -mm. sad. Said that when they do find her, it would be like admitting that it actually happened. And so I guess a small part of me doesn't want her to be found. Just so I don't have to deal with it. But then it would be so much better if we did, you know. And he started crying. I was like, oh, God. But, yeah, it was really sad. And he's so cute and sweet. And her mom and dad's, like, cute and sweet. And the interviews, like, where her mom and dad was talking, like, her dad hardly spoke. Like, you could tell she was a daddy's girl. Like, you could just mm, tell. Yeah. I mean, she was a mama's girl, too. But, like, you know, the... The da them daddy's Daddy girls, girls. Yeah. something about it. He's real poor. Yes, yeah. he still. Okay, so the officials completed recovering her body, and the location was no longer a secret. They kept it a secret because they wanted to make sure they gathered like every bit of her remains. Yeah, right. For people to come mm -hmm. out there, and yeah. You know. So they knew, this was five years later. Yeah, so. so People knew that she was possibly found because they knew he had confessed, but no one knew where it was at until later after they gathered her completely. Mm -hmm. um, her remains were found on an abandoned logging road off of Highway 20, about 12 miles west of Corvallis. So the area was searched by volunteers when Wilberger first went missing on May 2004. So... When she went missing and all hundreds those hundreds of people, they searched that area. They just didn't see it because he buried her so well. The area was searched. Um, let's see. But according to district attorney <laughs> district attorney John Haroldson, her body was well hidden. Mm. Joe Courtney, who put it guilty, hid her body about five hundred yards up the logging road. On private property. Oh, God. He meticulously concealed her body beneath a fallen tree using ferns and moss, according to the authorities. Okay. Mm. So they just saw the tree and kept moving. Mm -hmm. They were like, kept moving. So he put. That's just awful. They could have found her. They knew about um, the local, the locals near that area knew uh, where the crime scene was for about a week. But obviously they couldn't say anything because they wanted to make sure, you know, they got everything. But Courtney, yeah, abducted her and stuff. And So whenever he called the courthouse or whatever to say that he wasn't going to make his court date, he already knew. He could have already had her. Yeah. Or did mm -hmm. he, did he Depending he on what time it was. He could or couldn't make it. Yeah, he said he was running late. Oh. Mm -hmm. He was going through Newport or something. Hmm. And yeah, you know, he was leaving Corvallis. He yeah. said Corvallis. He yeah. was like, I was in. He was leaving Corvallis, hit, go, driving through Newport or something, I thought he said. Yeah. But 
he was telling them like, hey, let you know I'm running late. I guess so that when they noticed he wasn't there, they wouldn't automatically go out. I don't know. Makes yeah. no sense. I mean, he could have really just been running late and then saw so, her. Yeah. Because I'm like, what was he doing in that apartment complex? Like, gosh, just that. Because I feel like if he was going to, if he knew he was going to do it, why would he even bring up where he was? Yeah, I mean. But why would he have I mean, stopped yeah, you're there? right. He probably was just driving by after he had said that he was running late. Yeah, like, oh, I'm just going to Messed so, up minds, just. <clears throat> so, to get a picture on how close the proximities, is that right, were? Proximity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, he abducted her in the parking lot of the apartments, which is only a block away from Highway, Highway, Highway 20. <laughs> What, what was Highway 20? I don't remember what Highway 20 was. Highway 20 was where, like, where she was found. It was off Highway 20 yeah. on the logging road. The logging road, road off Yes, Highway and that 20. was 12 miles from where? From the logging road? 12 miles from less the than, apartment. Less, yeah, less than 12 mm -hmm. miles. Oh, and also, to close, um, the Haroldson guy? District attorney. District, yes. yes. According to him, Courtney took pride in being able to find remote locations and was extremely detailed when he explained to authorities where to find Brooks' remains. Oh, screw you. People like that, they just get a thrill out of like reliving it. A wet piece of human soggy shit is what he is. Well, that concludes today's episode of Scream and Sugar. I hope you liked my case. I'm not very good at it. I'm learning. We're you all did learning. Good. We yeah. had a little you hiccups good, here and there. And little burps here and there. Little hiccups and burps. <laughs> it was, you did a good job though. I was intrigued the whole time. Was yeah. You? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're listening, I'm sure y'all know, you get the feeling like you're worried, like if it's going to be interesting or if you're going to have to act like you're interested and not bored. I hope y'all yeah. weren't bored whenever I did it, but I wasn't mm -mm, bored. No, no. So I was like, <laughs> but y'all can't see me, but my eyes are bugged out right now. But yeah. But we're going to start releasing two a week. Yes. You'll get one every Monday and Thursday. Because we love y'all so much. We're All of our, I think, like 32, 33 listeners. Yes. The Australian. The and Indian. we have somebody in Canada, yes, which Canadian. shout out to Canada. My next case will be a Canadian case. Ooh, a little teaser. Yes. My aunt is listening to us in Michigan State. Yes, the state, of, the state of Michigan. Aunt. Yes, hey Aunt Kelly. Hey Aunt Kelly, how you doing? Hey Aunt Kelly, I don't know you, but hey. <laughs> all my, all my people, all my choir people listening. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you. Love y'all. The only friends I got are sitting here in front of me. So, but your sister, my sisters, your sister, your sister. And your nieces, the fam, the fam. Well, I hope y'all keep listening and remember to keep it safe. <laughs> keep it Leave it in there. Keep Leave it in there. Fuck it. <laughs> we hope you keep listening and remember to keep it sweet.